What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. My name is Mike Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in. Later on today's show, I will be joined by Daniel Garcia, who runs the All Angels podcast, Great Angels podcast, as well as the Halo Haven Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages, which are all great locations for Angels memorabilia, news and notes, uh, community, all that sort of good stuff. And Daniel is actually the first Angels guy, podcaster, uh, blogger, etc. that I've had on. And if you've listened to episode zero of Big League Chewing, you will know that I am a huge lifelong Angels fan. So great to have Daniel on so early in uh, this show's history. Super nice guy, super knowledgeable, and uh, that will be coming up. But first and foremost, the NLDS just wrapped up between the Nationals and the Dodgers. Game five went 10 innings. Nationals come out on top. Very shocking outcome. A lot of questions are going to be asked of Dave Roberts after this loss in terms of how he ran that bullpen. Kenley Jansen came in. Um, well, first of all, let's let's start here. Kershaw came in in the, in the seventh to retire the last guy, struck him out. Kershaw got them out of a bit of damn, uh, bit of, uh, out of a bit of a situation. Kershaw comes back in the in the eighth. Bases get loaded, or I'm sorry, bases do not get loaded. Kershaw basically in the eighth gave up back to back home runs to Anthony Rendon and to Juan Soto, and the booze came down, and Kershaw hung his head down in the bullpen in a postseason game again, which is an image that we've seen over the last few years time and time again. It's it's kind of baffling to me how the Dodgers keep going back to Kershaw, um, bringing him out of the bullpen in these high leverage situations, given his his postseason track record. Which, to be fair, I mean up to the, up to this point, it, it's been rough. But you know, there's been bright spots sprinkled in here and there. But you know, all we really remember is you know the Matt Adams home run, and now you know we're gonna really remember this uh, the back to back home runs to to Rendon and Soto. Tied game, 3-3 in the eighth. Game goes to extra innings. Uh, Joe Kelly comes in. I believe he pitched about an inning and a third or maybe two innings. Um, Bases are loaded in the 10th for Howie Kendrick. Grand slam. Uh, And that that pretty much shut the door on the Dodgers. Uh, They had a pretty quiet bottom of the 10th uh, with Michael A. Taylor actually making a pretty spectacular catch in center field for the Nationals to, to seal it. But man, um, you know, uh, this is a 106-win Dodger team, a team that had a ton of expectations, obviously. You know, it's, it's with this Dodgers team now, it's, it's kind of World Series or bust every year. Obviously, having gone to back-to-back World Series in, in 17 and 18. So uh, nothing but a huge disappointment. And you got to feel like this, is, this rests on Dave Roberts' shoulders to a certain degree. Um, you know, Kenley, uh, Kenley Jansen was, was very rarely used in this series um and and funny enough he came in after the damage had been done after the dodgers were trailing by four runs after after kendrick hit that home run and um you know you gotta wonder obviously he's not this season was kind of a a rough up and down season for him not the kenley jansen that the dodgers are used to but you gotta think that maybe he would have been the guy to come in 
instead of Kershaw or, you know, maybe it was Maeda first. And then you bring in, um, you know, Maeda had another great ending. He struck out the side. Um, you know, maybe you bring in Maeda, maybe you bring in, um, Jansen after him. Um, Kelly looked decent for a few batters, but uh, this, this kind of reliance on Kershaw that just seems to be, um, mainly traced back to maybe emotion, you know, the, the, the Dodgers emotional connection to Kershaw. Um, but he's not the same, you know, you're not bringing in the same guy, um, in these high leverage situations anymore. And uh, those, those days are done. You know, Dave Roberts is going to be crucified for this to put it mildly. Um, it's sad because Kershaw obviously is a legendary pitcher, one of the greatest of all time. Um, but this is really this this inning that he had, um, where he kind of gave up the lead here, is is really going to cement it. I think a lot of it is 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 poor managing by by Roberts. You know, you feel bad for Kershaw, but this Roberts decision to bring him in, again, kind of based on who he is or who he was, rather than who he is now. I think was a big mistake, and the Dodgers are going to have a very interesting offseason, I think. So shifting over to the other Game 5 NLDS game that that went on earlier today between the Braves and the Cardinals, uh, this was, this was a, a, a shit show of a first inning if I've ever seen one. The Braves, um, Mike Fultonevichenko, gave up 10 runs in the first inning to the Cardinals. Um, you know, none of which was hit on a home run, I believe. I believe the only home run that was hit in the game was by Donaldson um, late in the game when the uh, when the Braves were already trailing like 13 to nothing. So this was a blowout uh, for a Braves team that has high expectations, obviously, for this season and, and seasons to come. You know, they have a great young core um, that goes without saying, and, and I think they'll be here again. But man, you've got to feel like they really needed this um, to give them some sort of momentum. Obviously, this is another... NLDS loss for the for the Braves. Um, they've lost nine straight division series appearances, and actually the Braves haven't played in the NLCS since 2001. So it's been a long, long time coming for the Braves. And with this huge crop of talent, you got to think that um, you, you know you got to think some success is on their way. Um, at, at, shortly, you would think. Um, but that's this is going to be another long offseason. They're going to have to definitely address that bullpen, which I thought was a little suspicious. Um, and and you know just just continue to, to to give these guys some more time in the big uh, some more time in the big leagues. Now shifting over to the Twins, uh, talking about teams that have long postseason droughts. Uh, the Twins got swept by the Yankees again. That makes them swept by the Yankees this year, in 2010, in 2009. Uh, the Twins have lost 16 straight uh, playoff games. That's insane. The Twins' last playoff victory was actually against the Yankees, which was game one of the 2004 ALDS, uh, which saw Johan Santana dealing in that game. Uh, the Twins went on to actually lose, drop the next three games in that series. Um, the three, of the, three out of the last four ALDS losses for the Twins have come at the hands of the Yankees, the other one being the A's in 2006. And the Yankees have, beat, have scored, outscored the Twins a total of 55-20 to 20 in those three series in 2019, 2010, and 2009. 16 straight playoff losses for the Twins. Uh, that's I don't know what's worse. The Braves, going all the way back to 2001, 
uh, being the last time they were in the NLCS or the, the Twins losing 16 straight playoff games. I think the Twins losing 16 straight playoff games is probably worse. Um, you know, and this is a, this is a 100-win uh, Twins team, probably one of the better Twins teams in recent memory. You know, I, I think a lot of those wins can be traced back to a very weak NL Central, uh, sorry, AL Central. The AL Central was probably the worst division in baseball. You had two 100-loss teams. We talked about 100-loss teams uh, in the previous uh, podcast, I believe. You had the Royals and the Tigers being, uh, were absolutely atrocious. Um, so you got to think that the Twins feasted on that a little bit. And, you know, they were just bested by the Yankees in, in every way. Um, you know, the Twins hit a lot of home runs this season. The Yankees hit a lot of home runs this season. Both teams were high up there in terms of, of, of homers. Um, but the Yankees uh, really own this team in the postseason. And it's not even a matter of, uh, you know, they own this crop of players. They own this franchise uh, in, the, in, the, in the division series for sure, going back quite a, quite a ways. Um, so you got to feel bad for the Twins. Um, but, you know, it's another, it's another team with a young crop of players. Um, I think that starting staff needs some help, but we shall see. So now I would love to play you the interview I had with Daniel Garcia. Daniel, again, is the host or one of the hosts of all the All Angels podcast. He also runs the Halo Haven Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All great places for Angels fans or just baseball fans in general to check out what's going on with the Angels on a day-to-day basis. So here's my interview with Daniel Garcia. Okay, so I am now joined by Daniel Garcia, who runs the All Angels podcast, as well as the Halo Haven Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Really a great location for all things uh, Angels memorabilia, news, notes, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Daniel, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, One quick little change. It's not just me. There's a whole, not a whole group of us, but uh, my co-host on the All Angels podcast, Johnny Mags, and then kind of the guy behind the scenes, Chris Johnson. He's the one that kind of got started, and then me and Johnny just kind of came in and try to uh, chip in where we can, especially with the social media stuff. But, you know, it, it takes a village, as they say. Right. Those, those, those guys are definitely just as involved than I am. I'm just a little more chatty than, than most of them are. But, <laughs> you know, those guys do great uh, posting stuff on our social media stuff. Awesome. Nice, nice little shout out for them. So, uh, you know, just to get started then. So with every guest that I've had on, I usually like to talk about how they got associated with the team. So uh, talk to me a little bit about how you got into the Angels and what you remember about those early years of, uh, of being a fan. Yeah. So like growing up, I was always a sports kid, whether it was, you know, baseball, basketball, football. I was always the kid that was, you know, watching Sports Center rather than cartoons. So naturally, you know, you kind of uh, connect yourself with hometown teams, you know, Anaheim being fairly close to where I grew up in Laverne. Um, you know, at the time, the Raiders and the Rams bolted. So there wasn't really a big football presence. I mean, I still followed it, but wasn't like I had a hometown team. So a lot of my attention went to the Angels. And, um, you know, I, I try to go as many games as I can as a kid, but my parents weren't huge you know, baseball fans. So, you know, I went to a handful, but I always remember watching it on TV. Um, and I guess the time where it really stuck with me was like, there was one time where my mom did take me and my brother to an angel game. And back then um, players had to actually walk. Um, I would say probably, you know, a hundred feet between where the, where the stadium ends and like where the players parking lot was. And it was, it was gated, but you could still see through the gate and see the players. Right. By. right. Nowadays it's all kind of behind closed doors. You don't see them actually go to their cars, but sure. back then you did. So 
um, again, I'm a kid and then, you know, I, I'm at the game. So we're watching these kids or these uh, players walk by and my mom's just trying to get me an autograph for whoever, like she doesn't know any of the players. She just, Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. So <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, finally, finally, you know, a guy comes over and, and my mom's, Oh, can you please sign it for my son? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, sure. So she hands the program that that game's program over the fence and, you know, with a marker or a pen, I don't remember, but uh-huh. um, I remember him looking at the program and kind of like going through the pages and found a particular page and signed it and, you know, gave it back to my mom and mom was all thanks. Well, it turns out that was Troy Percival. Oh, wow. And, uh, so he knew that, 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 um, you know, that program did like a story on him. So he knew like, okay, right. page, whatever, 25. And there's a big, you know, full page color photo of him. He signed it. So at that point I was like, okay, cool. Now, now this is my team. <laughs> yeah. Know, I had, I had a uncle that was really into baseball too. And he was a big angels fan. So just, you know, my family has a little bit of Dodger fans in it, but I, the family that I was around the most were angel fans. So naturally kind of growing okay. up, that's, um, that's who, where I gravitated to. But so like the Sam and the Edmonds, um, right. The uh, and uh, uh, Garrett Anderson was probably my favorite player growing up. So around that time was like my earliest, you know, right. remembering going to games and, and, and actually watching them on television. Yeah, I mean those that young crop uh, with Anderson, Erstad, Edmonds, Salmon, um, and Percival kind of came up with them too at the same time. Right. That was kind of really the beginning of kind of that turnaround because in the early '90s, I started getting into the team in the early '90s when I was about six or seven. And those early 90s teams uh, were pretty bad. I mean, they still had like Chuck Finley, Mark Langston, Jim Abbott, right, yeah. uh, like yeah. Damian Easley, some of these guys. But they were just not a good team. And it, and it took those those guys to come up to really kind of turn things around. Um, you know, obviously you had 1995 where they had that huge lead and kind of gave it up. But um, it's it's funny. It was, it's kind of that crop that made it all the way to the World Series all those years later. Right. Um, but it, there was a lot of growing growing pains with that with that crew. Yeah, and that was awesome too. Seeing them, like you said, eventually get to that World Series in '02 when you see them in the salmon. The, and my whole thing was, I love Garrett Anderson. Like on that team, I'll take Garrett Anderson over anybody. I just right. watching him play, he just seems so relaxed. So like the moment's not too big for him, and just was able just to kind of rake all over the field. So he was probably right. like, I know a lot of salmon gets a lot of attention, which is rightfully so. But for me, Garrett Anderson, Garrett Anderson, and then uh, like you said, you you have um, like Percival coming in, and then you had. Um, K Rod at the time, the young phenom right. of the O two series. So, um, right. you know, that time was really cool for me as a fan. You know, I, you know, looking back at it, I wish, obviously, I was a kid, so I couldn't financially afford it. But man, <laughs> if there was some way I could yeah. sneak into like a game, even if it wasn't in the World Series, but maybe like a ALCS and 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 you know, right. Kennedy's hitting the three home runs and yeah, and all that stuff. I, you know, it it was a very exciting time. For me, like, you know, as a kid growing up and watching baseball and, and at the time, you know, like you said earlier, though, like, what was he said, 95 season when they kind of blew the lead. Like, I wasn't I wasn't into like that part of it. I was like, hey, look, I have a card of this guy and he's on TV. That's cool. Like, right. the standings and all that stuff and the, the, the melt. Like, I wasn't really aware of it until like later on in life when I look back and like, oh, that's what happened. That's why everyone <laughs> was all upset yeah. about it. But I, I just saw hey, I got dude's card in my hand and he's on TV right now. How cool is that? Or right, I have, right. you know, a team set. And, you know, as a kid, that's what just totally drew me to, um, you know, baseball, just kind of sports in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to that 2002 season, uh, it was funny. I didn't get to go to any of those games either. Um, and it was it was part of it was because, you know, I was probably about 15 or 14 when that 2002, uh, you know, season happened. And part of me was like, you know, uh, I probably, you know, my family probably couldn't afford to go at the time either. I mean, those postseason tickets are pretty expensive. But right. um, 
you you almost didn't think that it it was possible. You know, the the angels that I had grown up with up to that point were just like you. You almost wanted to believe it before you kind of went went. You know, I, I feel right. like. My dad and I invested in season tickets kind of in the, in the following seasons. I think we had season tickets like 04, 05, where, you know, obviously they made the playoffs but didn't get back. But in 2002, it was almost like I watched it at home and I almost couldn't believe it. You know, it was almost mm-hmm. like, wait a second, like this is actually happening. Um, <laughs> and it's still kind of, uh, I still can't believe it to this day, you know, that that, that team went and did those things. Oh, um, you, look, you look back at it and it's like they had who, and like, in, as an Angel fan, you're like, yeah, those guys are great. But then you kind of compare it to the other <laughs> people that are in the league, you're like, Wow, they really did kind of. I mean, you're facing Barry Bonds, where it seemed like every third at bat he's hitting a home run, you know, right. eight rows deep, if not more. So yeah, it was a really cool season, even now to look back on. Yeah, yeah. So talking about those young Angels players, let's start talking about some of these new guys. Um, you know, who impressed you kind of the most this season out of like Renhifo, Tice, Canning, Suarez, etc. I mean, I know it was kind of uh, a growing pains kind of season for for the staff, some of the younger guys on the staff. But who kind of position player wise or, or starting pitcher wise really impressed you? Well, for us, um, we're relatively close to their single A affiliate. So last year, um, Griffin Canning started out in you know L and M Park City Sixers, a high A affiliate, and you kind of heard the buzz about him and how he was doing and how he was shut down because of the uses at UCLA. But good things were happening. So you you saw him that year. Um, go to single a and maybe i think he pitched like three or four games and then got bumped up to mobile and then pitched another like five or six seven games and then finished the season out in triple a um salt lake so you already kind of had him on your radar coming into this season and knowing that sooner or later it, he was going to uh, make a debut and so when he did um maybe a little early depends on who you who you talk to but um from what i saw and and, and johnny kind of my co-host also kind of echoes this but the stuff he did at a young age coming up in a situation where he maybe wasn't ready uh, development-wise, I think was a really bright spot in the Angels organization. Now, I don't think um, he's going to be like a frontline ace as of right now. I mean, obviously, right. there's a lot of time to develop. But as of right now, I think he could be a super solid number two, super solid, yep. maybe a, a back-end like one. Uh, but, you know, he really impressed me what he was able to do um, being so young and, and angels get him in the second round, you know, fairly cheap. If you get some mm-hmm. kind of pitching talent like that, normally it's like, you know, first round, mid first round, but the fact that angels were able to um, pick him up in the second round shows uh, kind of the overall direction this farm system is going into. So right. canning really impressed me this year for the small sample size. Obviously when he got shut down at the end of the year, um, we were like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, we saw sure, what we sure. to see, don't push it. Don't make it, bigger than it is so yeah it would have been great to see him go the whole season yeah but for for what he showed it was great another young guy that um saw a little bit of him last year but coming into this year i had not no expectation but wasn't really uh, I, you know me and john were like oh you know we'll see what happens was was uh, fletcher david fletcher and a sure. local kid so that every angel fans loved him but i mean he lead the team in hits and it wasn't by a small margin i think it was like 30 something hits difference between him and trout one and right. two Right. Um, playing three different positions. I mean, on our last podcast, we did a um, like a, a MVP, like end of season awards. So we did like MVP that's not named Trout because obviously that's the runaway. And sure. mine was mine was Fletcher just for the stuff he did. Like obviously his power numbers are not going to be there, but that's not right. what they asked him to do. They asked him to get on base, asked him to move guys over, asked him to play almost every position in the infield plus outfield. He did it 
at an average or above average level. So for me, he's definitely a young guy going into next year to figure out a where they play him and b you know if he can continue this great um, like on base, getting hits, moving guys over, coming through in clutch situations kind of uh, kind of player. Yeah, he is Fletcher reminds me of kind of a bit of like an old school player. It's weird to say now. I mean, in terms of old school, but like. He, I mean, he's a guy that's a high contact guy. His strikeout rate was like really low. I think it was one right. of the lowest lowest strikeout rates in the league. So it's a guy that makes a lot of contact, um, doesn't strike out, gets on base. Um, yeah, doesn't have a lot of power, which is strange. You know, these days, you know, with the baseball being juiced or whatever, pe- <laughs> whatever people say, um, it's strange that he only had about six or seven home runs. But um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, he, he's definitely a bright spot. Um, so in terms of Osmus getting getting let go um, about a week ago now, um, what, what do you think of that? And do you think maybe that, um, you know, after this season, Billy Epler might kind of be on the hot seat if, if, if this team doesn't produce? Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I, you know, kind of going to your first question with Osmus, I was a little surprised. I'm not going to say I was like totally shocked. And I was, you know, I was kind of surprised just because, for your fans out there that don't don't know, like Angels have been ravaged by injury. Like I think there was something out there a stat where the projected um, lineup coming into like spring training, he had that lineup maybe you know ten, fifteen times throughout the year because you know Upton was hurt, uh, Trout right. was hurt, right. you know it was always Otani was coming back from Tommy John surgery, so it always seems like there was something. And then, too, you throw in a, a, a death like Tyler Skaggs in the middle of the season, yeah, which, you know. Um, being lucky enough to talk to him um, before the season started, he was the longest tenured pitcher on the angel staff. And, and, and we talked to him about like kind of stepping up in that leadership role and, and to have something like that in the middle season where there is no book, there's nothing mm-hmm. you can look yeah. back on it and be like, oh, okay, this is how you handle the situation. You know, do I think Osmus deserved to get fired no just because of the situation kind of surrounding yeah. us. it was a weird situation now was there stuff that i didn't agree with whether it's the way he used the bullpen whether he used the starting rotation yeah but i think going to any team you can probably find a little thing with any manager saying like you know i don't totally agree with him doing this or doing that i just thought it was such a an, a, an unreal season uh-huh. that you know i kind of thought he would get you know, another shot, at least one more season, and then this be the season where it's like, hey, you kind of put up or shut up kind of deal. But, you know, you have a manager, and I know Twitter is all talking about it. You have a manager like Joe Madden coming available um, with his ties. And we talk about the O2 World Series team and the guy that was right next to Socia when they won the O2 Series yep. um, coming available. And that kind of changes everything. Now, uh, we talked about this before also. Madden coming in, is he an upgrade? Oh, definitely over Osmus. Is he the guy that's going to turn this team around and all of a sudden now make it a 500 team or even a playoff team? No, it's going to come down to who they sign in the offseason. Right, right. You know, it, I have a feeling Epler, and, and I have no facts, I have no proof. This is kind of like me just spitballing, kind of uh, just thinking like, Epler's going to be on a hot seat next year. What he yeah. did this year as far as taking these one-year guys, um, these 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 high-risk, high-reward kind of... Did not pay off. Did not pay all, off. <laughs> yeah, none of them paid out. No. Cahill, Harvey, um, you know, uh, uh, Cody Allen. Allen. Cody right. Allen, yeah. None of these guys paid off. So now Epler's like, hey, we'll give you a year because of what he's did with the farm system and stuff like that. That kind of bought him that buy-in year, which is the year coming up. But if he doesn't, for instance, if he doesn't get a Garrett Cole type, like obviously Garrett Cole would be the um, 
target, but if he doesn't get a tight like that um, and it doesn't work out whatever way he kind of his backup plan is, yeah, I think he's out. And I think they probably feel Joe Madden is the best manager to make that team. If they do make those uh, um, acquisitions, make that team come together and perform. So um, right. I think it's kind of a weird thing. Cause I think Austin's got a raw deal. Yeah. But is Joe Madden the better move business-wise? Yeah. So um, I was a little bit shocked, but when you have a manager like Joe Madden that pops up on, you know, the, the, the manager free agency kind of thing, um, then I think you have to, you have to take a swing because you don't know if there's another manager that like that is going to come available, whether it's next year or, you know, sure. five years from now. Sure. And I think another big factor is, is, is owner Artie Moreno. I feel like since he's owned the team, he's been super impatient in terms of like, you know, wanting to go out there and get that championship, whether it was, I think his first big signing was signing Vladdy back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Josh Hamilton signing and the, the Albert Pujols cool. signing definitely felt like a like it came from the owner rather than oh, yeah. the general manager you know what i mean well, um, yeah that was definitely I, I, think, I think people have gone on record connected names just saying that that the pool host contract was a ownership decision it wasn't a right. a gm comes over and says hey we should get this guy i mean and albert's a whole different story a lot of people kind of are not thrilled of it but you know, dude got offered tons of money. Who's not going to, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him at all. I'm like, Hey, if someone wants to pay me that much money to do what I used to be able to do half as well, then yeah, sure. Why not? Right. But yeah, I'm, I, going back to Moreno, I just feel like Osmus that uh, letting go of Osmus just feels like a Moreno decision rather than a mm-hmm. Billy Epler decision. I know that the year before Osmus, I think was like special assistant to Epler. So obviously mm-hmm. they had a strong relationship um, but yeah, you got to feel like Moreno is, is super, um, he wants a ring. He wants it now. Um, you know, he just shelled out a ton of money to trout and yeah, if Epler, you know, if, if these signings, whatever, you know, happens over this off season, they don't pan out again. Um, you know, I think, I think he's going to be on the hot seat. So going back to Garrett Cole, um, you know, say the angels aren't able to sign him who else kind of starting pitching wise. Cause we know that's kind of their biggest concern. Who else starting pitching wise are you, are you looking at um, as of to, to go into that rotation? Yeah. I mean, like you said, that is their main concern offensively. I'm not too worried. It's starting pitching. So, okay. If you take Cole off the table, I mean, Strasburg can um, opt out. So he's playing himself to a big contract. So Strasburg would be a good option. Um, you know, there's not a lot of front-line, front-line um, pitchers outside of Cole. So maybe like a Strasburg. Right. Bum, Bumgarner, I'm kind of like, meh, whatever. But I feel like if they don't get Cole, they're going to stack up on a lot of those um, two, three, four rotation kind of guys and maybe make Otani the type that is yeah. going to be your quote-unquote ace. But if they don't get Cole, then I go. I think they go for, for numbers. They, they sign maybe four guys to fill that role, and then you just hope that – I signed four free agents. One of them's going to be the right. guy. One of them's going right. to be good enough to, to like I said, maybe not be that frontline ace, but be a solid number two, solid number three, and then kind of have the Cannings, the the Haneys, kind of fill up behind them. But um, yeah, it, it's all pitching. It's all coal. I don't want to say coal or busk. That sounds like if you don't get on this end of the world, but it, it it's pretty close. It's, I mean, I, I truly think that if if the Angels you know, give him what he wants and another team matches it. I think he still go, comes to Anaheim because of his history, going to UCLA, going right, to right. Um, living in the area or used to live in the area, growing up in the area. And I've talked to guys that follow Houston, that, that work for the Houston Chronicle. 
And he said every time he comes to Anaheim, he doesn't he doesn't like shy away from the fact that he was an Angels fan growing up. He always talked about <laughs> right. as a kid coming down to 57 and seeing the big halo in the parking lot. Even so much or so, I talked to uh, Red Bollinger, the MLB beat writer for the Angels right. earlier this year. And and I asked him about that, about the Cole thing. And he said, yeah, I mean, he's heard from people that at the All-Star game, he's talking to um, Angels people there asking, you know, how does this, how does the management work? How, how like, you know, kind of asking their opinion, how does the, you know, how, how does the uppers um, work and do you like them and stuff like that? So he's kind of already hinting to that. So I think unless the Angels absolutely just kind of bomb the presentation, I think he, he is a, a, a pretty good close to done deal. And then if you add Joe Madden, then obviously that kind of makes it even more look better. So right. it's not Cole. I think they go after a lot of the guys that are like those two to three guys. In yeah. The like, the, and, like the Zach Wheelers of the world. Exactly. Kind of the guys. Right. And, and it's hope that one of them just kind of hits and then able to produce, you know, really well and, and help this team's biggest um, Achilles heel. And that's a, that's the starting pitching. Right, right. So with every guest uh, to close out, I usually like to have them give me uh, one underrated and one overrated player from the 2019 season. Uh, this can be a starting pitcher. It can be an Angels player. It can be any kind of uh, any kind of major league player. Um, so give me one overrated and one underrated if you have them. Yeah, so overrated, I kind of feel like I don't want to be like obviously all these people that are on the team are on any team are doing something well enough to be in the in the major leagues but one movement that happened over the offseason that i was everyone was kind of freaking out about it. i was like oh my god i was kind of like what was, <laughs> um james paxton from that went from seattle to uh, to, yeah. to uh new york like i'm not saying he's overrated but kind of like the hype that like, oh this guy is gonna get him through right the i'm like i think he's a good pitcher don't get me wrong but I, he's like a a, a solid two maybe three on that rotation. Were, yeah like, he's a nice kind of middle of the rotation yeah but the, yeah. the way people were talking about him was like oh that's it you know they have <laughs> right, you look at this right. rotation i'm just thinking like no he's good don't get me wrong but it's like you're almost making like they acquired a, a bum gardener or, or a verlander like Ver, when verlander went to from the tigers to the astros a couple years ago that was like whoa okay that shifted everything and for me paxton you know again he's throwing a no hitter he, he has good stuff but like kind of I was like, oh, okay, well, let's just see how this turned out. And, like, yeah. again, his season was okay, and he's kind of making up for now in the playoffs. But at the time, it was kind of like a, oh, my God, this is this is happening. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a big deal. But Right, you know. right. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, as an Angels fan as well, you know, we've seen him quite a bit. And right. the, the most that I remember of him is kind of the no-hitter from a couple of seasons ago, but also his his uh, his injury uh, history. He's got a long, lengthy um, injury right. history. Right, and that's part of it, too, was like, hey, that's great if he's there, but if he's not there, right. it doesn't really matter. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, do you have a um, an underrated player? Underrated, I mean, again, being... In Anna or being close to Anaheim and seeing them play every day, you know, I think true baseball fans appreciate it, but I think the casual fan doesn't appreciate Anderson Simmons. Um, his defensive, what he does, you know, everyone everyone likes to see the long ball, everyone likes to see the right. you know, 45 home runs and 120 RBIs and can hit the ball a mile. But what's what he does day in and day out at that shortstop position. And being able to see it every single day being out here, I think, um, obviously in Anaheim and the Southern California, he's not 
underrated, but I think when you get national, yeah, I, I think it kind of he kind of loses a little bit of that luster. And I just think like, man, if if some people in the Midwest were able to see him every single day, they would have a whole nother appreciation. Or right. people, you know, down in like the Florida, Alabama, like that area away from like absolutely the opposite corner of Anaheim, see them. I think they would have appreciation <laughs> for him. I just think this guy is, I, I think, a Hall of Famer just because of what he does. Mm-hmm. defensively and he has been doing defensively for pretty much his whole career and especially his career in Anaheim I just think nationally maybe he's a little underrated but I mean fans here in Southern California know exactly who he is and what he does on a day in and day out for the for the Angels right and I think you look back on that trade um I believe it was the start of the 20 or I think it was the 2015 offseason or 20 mm-hmm. yeah 2015 offseason I think it was one of Epler's first moves if I'm not yeah. mistaken I think it was tra- yeah yeah, he sent away Ivar and uh, Sean Newcomb, Newcomb to the Braves for him. And I, I, I got to feel like you make that trade kind of every day. I feel like you would make that trade now. I mean, Newcomb, I think um, he was a starter last season, and, and he pitched he pitched pretty well. Um, but now he's coming out of the bullpen for the Braves. And, you know, right. Ivar, I think, is playing in, in the Mexican League in Mexico. Yeah, last I saw that. Yeah, and then that was even afterwards. He was in the Padres for, or Padres for a little bit, and then, yeah. Right. He eventually went down to uh, the uh, down to Mexico, but yeah, yeah, I just think you know Newcomb was the kind of everyone even everyone's kind of looking back at it. And it's like, oh, I don't know if that was a good trade or not. I'm thinking if Newcomb was the front line ace of the Braves, and yeah, maybe you kind right. of rethink it. But the <laughs> fact that he is a three to four pitcher, and like you said, now in in the playoffs is coming out of the bullpen. I, I still think you um, you you take that trade every single time, and and, and yeah, it's unfortunate that the Angels haven't been able to put, you know, a, a, a serious run together with him there. But it, right. I, I just think you have to put the best players you can on the field. And he's definitely one of those guys. Right, right. Awesome. All right, Daniel, thank you so much for uh, for, for, for taking the time and hopping on with me. Um, I, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. And just so... Uh, you know, yeah, where, yeah. Where can people where can people find you online? My bad. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, our Twitter and our Instagram handles are exactly the same. So it's Halo underscore Haven. Again, we're both on Twitter and on Instagram, and then you can find our group on um, on Facebook. But also, too, we also are a, uh, Angel Podcast. Uh, that's the All Angels Podcast, and you can find that um, pretty much wherever you're listening to this. So Spotify, um, you know, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So. Um, you know, now the off season is really going, kind of going, you know, once every, every so while, but we also have a lot of interviews on there with, um, a lot of young up and coming talent in the angels organization. We've been lucky enough to uh, talk to. Yeah. I think you guys just talked to their uh, number one pick from this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Will Wilson, that's our, our, um, most recent like interview podcast we put out was Will Wilson. It was cool to catch up to him, but we also talked to, um, Isaac Matson. um, Aaron Hernandez. A lot of the guys that actually ended up going down to the fall league, we actually ended up talking to. So uh, awesome. Uh, Brandon Brandon Marsh is a big, uh, you know, right. he's he's a guy that's been on our podcast like three or four times. So he's a guy that um, is on quite a bit. He's number two prospect in the Angels organization. We've had Joe Adele before. So yeah, we're just trying to get these guys, the young guys, a chance to kind of speak. And then you know, uh, just as cool following them through their journey through single A, double A, and you know, obviously right. hopefully all the way up to the majors. Yeah, it's a, it's a great platform. You know, these days you're able to kind of keep in touch with the minor leaguers. You know, back in the day when I was younger in the 90s, like early 2000s, you never knew who these guys were until they yeah. actually made their until they actually made right. their big league, yeah. big league debut. So this is a great platform uh, to obviously talk to those guys and, and just get more of a feel for who they are and the kind of player they are. Yeah, and it's cool, too, because a lot of these guys are excited to be like, like, like I'm not going to say like we're the biggest podcast out there, but 
you know, we're kind of a small podcast, hometown podcast kind of deal. And, and the fact that a lot of these guys are like, oh, man, you want me to, like, they're excited, you know. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get yeah. a ton of media requests. No. In fact, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 let's talk. And, and that was, and, you know, for us, what I like to do is, yeah, okay, tell me what you saw here or tell me, you know, how did you, how did your fastball work, you know, this season and how did you change, blah, blah, blah. But we also like to talk to them about, hey, you know, when's the last movie you saw? What would you think of it? Hey, do you like, right. you know, this or that or um, – uh, Austin Warren, I believe we talked to him, another pitcher in the Angels organization that's in the Arizona Fall League. He he was like an all conference bowler in high school, and we actually talked to him <laughs> about that. And it's just like little that's stuff crazy. Like that. we, we like to try to get them, you know, because anyone and everyone can go and talk to them about, you know, how they're, you know, what they do when they're on the mound or what they do in the batter's box. We like to kind of get to know them a little deeper than just, sure. hey, how do you hit a ball 450 feet kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I feel like it, it helps humanize these guys and, and, oh, and yeah. brings them a little closer to, to who they are and, and, and all that good stuff. All right, Daniel, thank you again for uh, for hopping on with me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully anytime you need a angel guy, you, you hit it up because it was a, hit me up because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I will. Definitely. Thanks, Daniel. Right, no problem. See ya. So that will do it for episode four of Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. You guys can give me a follow on Instagram at Big League Chewing. I'm on Twitter at ChewingCast. I appreciate the follow, the likes, the love, all that good stuff. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.